Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Joining me in studios, Miss Britt Pergle. We have a bunch to talk about. Uh, recording to, on October 19th, a live show in COG Studios. So uh, just before the LA Galaxy's very last uh, game of the 2017 season where they'll face FC Dallas on Sunday at 1 p.m. We're going to talk a little bit about that game coming up, of course. What's some other LA Galaxy news and other fun stuff that we definitely want to get to as well. But before we do that, let's check in with Miss uh, Britt Pergle. Britt, how's it going? Pretty good. How about you? I'm hanging in there. Almost the season's almost done. So uh, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> I know I do. I would like a little bit of a break. It's always a long, long slog here. Through the, the season's felt longer than most. I mean, seasons have gone from uh, March to December 1st, and they have they haven't even felt that long. But this one... I, October 19th, I'm ready for it to be done, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think you can you can pretend like this next weekend doesn't matter. Um, although, I still think that there's plenty of reasons why you and I can find this reason does this next game does matter, whether it's the LA Galaxy or other people. But, right. But it's just, uh, I get it. I get it. I did do this, though. I went back and I looked at some of the schedule, and I was trying to remember games, because I'm obviously preparing for my post-mortem post that, right, that I'm going to write somehow and figure out what, you know, it's probably going to be multi-parts. It's going to be a, a long one. But I was going through the games... And it all seemed like it did happen kind of fast. Like, whenever you go back and actually look at the games, I'm like, oh, I remember that game. Oh, I remember that game. But it's still, it feels condensed now. Having lived through it, though, it also feels like it was the longest season ever. Yeah, like, looking back on it, it's like, oh, that one didn't feel good. Uh, that one didn't feel good either. Uh, we're going to learn from this one, and then it never happened. We're going to learn. Ah, <laughs> yes, the beginning of the season. I remember that. <laughs> you know, not the, we're, we have to change. They weren't in panic mode yet. We've got to learn from our mistakes. You know, very, very interesting. I do find it interesting as well that, FC Dallas, the very first team the LA Galaxy played, uh, will be the last team they play as well. So bookends with FC Dallas, which, by the way, when they played FC Dallas, they were a good team. Yeah. And now, oh, man. And now they're fallen? now they're a really bad team. In fact, we'll get to how bad and all that other stuff. But good news for the LA Galaxy, good news for LA Galaxy fans. Uh, the LA Galaxy actually won a home game, which means that what? they are not tied, as uh, I think Kevin and I talked about on Monday, but they are not tied with Tampa Bay. Uh, as the fewest home wins at two. Two ten and two was Tampa Bay. Uh, the LA Galaxy finished with three home wins, so yay, there there's one. Ashley Cole was excited to dodge that particular um, you know, I, I don't know, achievement or You have to find bright spots in uh, in almost anything this year, I think. I, I agree. I agree with that. And uh Ashley Cole has been one of those. So that's 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 a good one to sort of focus on. Um but it is gonna be interesting uh to see what this team can do in the off season. I know everybody's sort of getting ready for that already, but before we do any of that, let's talk about Minnesota. Yeah. Uh a three nothing win. Uh you go back and look at the stats, they're actually pretty even. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Minnesota probably didn't convert chances. They actually um led in possession, which I thought was interesting. Looking at the scoreline and looking at the those percentages, it was a forty five to fifty five percent, which I mean it's still pretty like middle of the road, but at the same time, the scoreline does not go along with those uh, percentages at all. No, it doesn't. But I think there's also seems to be this trend in Major League Soccer that whenever one team wins by a whole bunch, that the other team seems to have a, a bump in possession. But you actually were down on the field for this game, I right? I was. Yeah, can give tell people what you got to do. Yeah, so um, I was a freelance social media person for the Major League Soccer social media account. So I was uh, taking pictures and posting them to the Twitter and Instagram 
which is an awesome opportunity. Um, it was kind of interesting in that I wasn't, I didn't feel like a fangirl kind of thing. It felt like a professional opportunity and I'm supposed to be there. So it was a really cool feeling. And, um, Alessandrini's last goal, he jumped right over the, the barriers and I was five feet away, which is really cool. That so. is pretty cool. And you yeah. didn't get hit with any balls, right? I didn't. Uh, There's was... actually a gif of me like ducking out of the way for, uh, one of, um, Bobby Shuttleworth's really good saves. So that's pretty fun. I, I could see that would be my biggest fear. I, I, I would, I get hit. I see they seem to find me whether it was in baseball or volleyball or soccer or anything else that I played. I yeah, it was heads up. I would have been ready to like head it back, which would have been like my highlight the, of the career. Just I think drop the phone, walk off the field. Thank yeah, you, totally. Thank you, everybody. Just wave and, and see how it goes. But no, I mean the Galaxy played well. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini with two goals and the one assist. Uh, Gio Dos Santos had a had an assist. Uh, you also had uh, Jonathan Dos Santos get a goal as well. So, I mean, there's some positives here that you can je definitely take. I, I think Kevin and I were talking. I didn't see any bad games by Galaxy players. And that's sort of like there wasn't somebody who I said, oh, this person had a bad game. Right. Which is, I think, indicative maybe more of the the, the team they were playing. The opponent, yeah. Because Minnesota's not a good team. They're going to finish above the LA Galaxy in the standings. Right. Which... I don't think that would have been a good bet because I wouldn't have taken that bet. Oh, you think that the Minnesota is going to finish? No, you know, especially right. after the start that Minnesota had. Um, but in this particular case, it doesn't matter what the Galaxy do. They could win these last couple games. They could win this last game. They're still going to finish below Minnesota United, which is, again, uh, maybe just a I was trying to write a story today on the preview and sort of, you know, what it's like to sort of put these two positions opposite each other, which is the LA Galaxy penalty kicks away from going to a Western Conference final to fighting right now to get out of the very last position in the league. So maybe like uh, you're watching a movie in the middle of the day at a movie theater and you walk out and it's really bright and it hurts your eyes and your eyes yeah. start watering a little bit, but you have to keep walking and you have to keep going because you have to see. That's sort of what this feels like this Man, season. Man, that sounds awful. <laughs> Doesn't it feel awful though? It does. It definitely does. I will say this. I don't know if I got used to watching awful soccer or if there were just some really bad games last year as well, because there were really bad games were. In, in, in 2016, all the years. I think this season, the play wasn't terrible because was, there was a lot of frustrating results where towards the end, something happened and or they gave up a lot of goals early and then, hey, we played a really good second half. So it wasn't necessarily ugly soccer. Right. I mean, there was definitely that too, but I don't think it was consistently ugly soccer that that made me want to gouge my eyes out the entire year. Like, that didn't happen. I, st I still feel like the 0-0 um, the zero -zero draw, I think, with Sporting Kansas City last year was the most awful soccer game I've ever watched. And none of that this year really has made me feel any different. There were some bad beats, I think, like you said. The RSL game, this last game, was probably one of the worst games that you could watch as a Galaxy fan. Right. And then the, the game at Atlanta when it's like, hey, let's pick things up. And then it was just got smashed like a bug. There's no... There's the there's the loss at uh, at Stanford Stadium against San Jose when the Galaxy were winning and lost from a winning position with uh, very little time left. That was a pretty horrible game. I mean, that one has like a historical like jab at my soul just a little bit. Like I can't I can't let go of uh, what was that two thousand three four two thousand three when the Galaxy went to the playoffs. That playoffs horribleness. 
I don't know. It was bad. I don't want to relive it. <laughs> you know what? I understand. I'm done. I understand. Uh, one of the things that uh, somebody asked on Twitter today, uh, Richard Farley, who has been on this podcast before, who does a lot of coverage of soccer up in the Pacific Northwest and also down here sometimes, Richard Farley asked, give me your like hottest soccer take. What is the thing that you think you, you're way out on a limb on? And mine is that Christian Wilhelmsen, people have heard this before, Christian Wilhelmsen single, almost single-handedly led the LA Galaxy to the 2012 MLS Cup, starting through their playoff run and into the MLS Cup final. Yikes. So that is my favorite hot take. And by the way, there's plenty of people who agree with me. So I, maybe I wasn't that far out there. It is a good it is a good take. Guy couldn't score a goal to save his life, but he was he he looked like it. He looked like it. Do you have a hot soccer take? Do you have to think about I'm just one? I'm trying to think about one. I can't I don't have one off the top of my head. I, I guess I do um just pre uh, pre show talking. I, I actually want the galaxy to win this wooden spoon. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but you want them to finish last in the league. I want them to finish last in the league. I want this wooden spoon. I understand. All right. Because, or are we getting to it later? We can talk about it whenever you want. I oh. mean, when we're, we're down here at the end of the year, I, I, there's not much I can not talk about anymore. So, so, so please tell me. So here's my uh, my wooden spoon uh, thoughts. Like, I don't want the galaxy to be this bad ever again. But while we're here, let's make the most of it. And just get the, like, might as well add one more trophy to the one of the biggest trophy cases in the league. So just while we're while we're down here, it's like making an extra shopping sh- stop or something, you know, like eh, might as well swing by and pick up a couple groceries while you're while you're in while, this. You, while you're down here. While I'm on this side of town, exactly. I, might as, I might as well pick up something. The LA Galaxy right now in the history of Major League Soccer teams are currently 31st in the worst ever MLS teams in history. Uh, 32nd right now is the 2017 DC United team who they're tied with, but currently who have a uh, a, a bonus over them in wins. Uh, and then the Colorado Rapids, the 2017 team, is only a couple spaces away as well. So there's some really bad teams in this particular year of soccer. Uh, the worst overall ever, and I know I've gone over this before, was the Metro Stars in 99. Uh, they had just 15 points for the entire season. Uh, and then you had the 2013 DC United team, which had 16 points for the entire season. A, go- a points per game total of .47, which actually ties them with the Metro Stars. But uh, that... DC United team also won a U.S. Open Cup, so it's hmm. you know it's it's interesting to sort of put these into different perspectives. There's uh, there's some Chivas USA in the 05 Chivas USA team with 18 points. Their first one. That's right. So you had the Kansas City Wizards, the '99 team with 20 points, and uh, then they went to win the cup the next year. So, so that makes no sense. So so I mean, but there is. I don't want to get people's hopes up. I'm just right. saying that no, there no, no, no. there is a history of teams being bad and then being good. Right. So it's not complete. And people want to point to Chicago Fire. I'll tell you right now, I don't think the LA Galaxy this year are anywhere compared to what the Chicago Fire was last year. Right. Whenever they added some good pieces but didn't have the full effect and then was able to get Dax McCarty and, you know, Juninho and do some things that really started to pull that team together. Bastion Schweinsteiger, obviously, as well. Right. So, so all those things. That's not what this Galaxy team is. Um, there's too many pieces missing for it to be something that's just a piece or two away. Right. Uh, especially when you have, you know, basically people within the organization saying that I need a right back, I need a goalkeeper, I need another center back, and I need a striker. And that's just to start with. The only reason they don't need midfielders is because they have 30 of them. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's so. So that's sort of where you're at. But I, I can't get on the wooden spoon. I, I think that that's a horrible, you do. It's my hot take. See, I'm stand by it. The Galaxy don't appear on this worst teams list. Except for this year. So that's why they're there. Just pick up the, the milk and <laughs> chips while you're there. And the eggs. Don't eat those together. That's gross. <laughs> but just while you're there, just pick up a few things. 
and then carry on with your season I, I can I can see that if anybody has uh, their hottest soccer hot take please give it to us we'd love to hear it uh, 949-734-4217 is the telephone number uh, we're here we're going to be talking here for you know the next hour and we'd love to hear from you so 949-734-4217 if you want to talk about the LA Galaxy or if you have your hottest soccer take and hopefully it'll be something I've actually heard of so I can sound intelligent because most people um, don't so. Did you see the MLS graphics of how the seasons played out for each of the teams? No. So they literally have this line where it shows, it, I think it goes like win by win and it shows like where they are in the standings right. for the entire season. Right. And so the Galaxy are just kind of like middle of the table. It's okay. And then it just crashes and they just, they're like a straight line at the bottom for a little bit. And that's, that's how it has been this year. And if you yeah. look, uh, you know, I do that game recap where I, I can look at all the game game by game, and I've done it throughout the season, so that way you can right. track it to every other Galaxy season. And the Galaxy are off in this little land by themselves right now. And yep. that's how you, one, that's how you know you're, they're bad, because most Galaxy teams have been good. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to sort of look. And, and you can see it. It was the... Whenever you look at it, and one of the things that I certainly think now that you go back and you're able to tag things is you look at that loss to San Jose that I talked about in Stan at Stanford Stadium. That seemed to have a significant impact on the Galaxy because then the next game they play Real Salt Lake. Right? Was that the 4th of July game? Yeah, that was the 4th of July, 6-2, to two, right? So that game was a, was a monster. And in there, they just start the slide. That's the slide where on my graph it just goes straight over. So so graphs, <laughs> like, in, in majorly, if you're talking about points, there's either the... There's either the straight line, which means you're not winning. There's the slightly elevated line, which means you're drawing, right? And then there's the nice win line that, right. that continues up and, and goes through it. So when you watch it, and the Galaxy during that time are just like straight line. You know what? Flat line. I think you have a flat line like that, a heart monitor straight across. That's what the right. Galaxy were. Uh, and that's obviously, at, then they get rid of Kurt and Alfo, and then they bring in Siggy Schmidt, and Siggy Schmidt didn't seem to rectify anything. In fact, Siggy only has two wins since he took over. So... You, you have all these things, and you look at the goal differentials that have skyrocketed since Siggy came up, too. There's a whole bunch of things here that you, you still know that the Galaxy are not a good team yet. I would argue, I haven't looked at this data, but I think it would be interesting to see the number of shots per game listed in this coaching change. Because I know it was a significant difference when Siggy came in, because, I mean, one of the first couple games, it looked like the players were having fun, and that was something that I hadn't seen in a while. And then the shots started coming, and it was, I mean, they weren't scoring yet, but they were certainly kicking the ball towards that, towards that net thingy that they couldn't find all year, you know? It's really, and I, and I take exactly what you're saying, I, you can see that, and there is something to the eye test about all this, and that's why, you know, I always put this data up here. I'm not somebody who is an analytics person, even though I compile all this stuff. I think it's interesting. Right. I think it helps you in terms of maybe you're missing something that you can see, and at least puts your eye towards something, like, hey pay attention to this. This might be more important than you think it is because it's really sticking out on these things. But I'm not somebody who says that a piece of paper can tell you what's going on in the field. Uh, the Galaxy look more composed, and certainly in the last probably three games, they've been playing a lot better. You look at the RSL team. That's a good RSL team. They're not great. Middle of the table, maybe a little bit better. And if they squeak into the playoffs, they could do some damage. So, you know, that's the RSL team. They, they, they realistically should have beaten at home. And they didn't. And it was a 1-1 draw, and it came on the late goal and all that stuff. So you look at that. That was a good game. Um, you look at the Minnesota game, which is the first game you really see the Galaxy converting the chances that they got. And that's really the only difference between them and Minnesota. Um, I don't think Minnesota is a horrible team, but they're not a good team in Major League Soccer, but neither are the Galaxy. Right. So, I mean, I think the Galaxy have been looking better. 
But I also think that it's also showing the huge weaknesses that we already knew about the Galaxy, which is that they don't have a striker. Right. And that's still one of their biggest issues. And it's true. It was true under Arnolfo, and it was true under Siggy Schmidt. Um, you know, it's good to see Baggio Husidic come back into the game. I mean, that's that's a good... We talk about the Galaxy not having depth this year. Mm-hmm. He's a depth player. He's always going to be a bench player. Right. So that's a good thing that you got out of that. Um, you know, somebody asked uh, if... if uh, and I think Kevin and I talked about it on, on Monday's show, but somebody asked whether or not, you know, the Galaxy even need Giassi Zardes. You look at them play against Minnesota, and where does Giassi Zardes even fit into the lineup? It's a good question. I don't think there's a, there's a good answer. Uh, Bradley Diallo did fine at right back. Nothing Again, nobody had a bad game. He was probably the defender I had the biggest issues with, but it still wasn't like he had a bad game. Right, that's the thing with defenders. is like If you don't notice them, it's a good thing. And so I think for someone like Michael Ciani, who's gotten a lot of bad press, for him to not be mentioned yet in this game recap is, is a good thing for him. And I thought he played a good game. I, I think it was perfectly fine. He made a bunch of face-towards-the-goal saves that are you'd never want, but that's the, Minnesota was getting in behind the Galaxy, which hmm. has been a thing. Do you think it was because his goalkeeper also spoke French? <sighs> Maybe a little bit. I also think it's probably... I would, I would say not as much as I give the fact that it's just that he's getting in shape now. Right, and that's playing, fair. And also that he played against Minnesota. So I think that's the big overreaching thing that you can talk about how good they were against Minnesota, but you can't separate the fact that Minnesota's not a good team. And so, yes, they were good, which Galaxy aren't good, so that's that's a good thing. They played well. They played fine. Minnesota was almost their equal. It just doesn't show on the scoreboard. I'm trying to think, who was it? Because the Galaxy lost to the worst team in the league at some point in the last few weeks. I'm trying to remember who it was because, obviously, they're not the last the worst team in the league anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of who was it. Col- it was Colorado. Yeah, but they beat Colorado. They've they've beat. I think they swept it? Colorado this whole That's year. That's right. It's the it's the it's two. I think one of their one of the questions I had was uh, whenever we did our giveaways was who were the two home wins at the time because Minnesota had, they hadn't beat Minnesota yet and it was Montreal and Colorado were the answers. Right. Which by the way I had to go back and actually look it up before I even asked that question. I was like, it's Montreal and who's the other? Oh yeah, Colorado because right. it just happened not too long ago. Um. Who was it? Anyway. DC United, they drew with DC United on the road. That was I don't know if that was one because they're yeah. really bad. DC United is worse in the East. Uh, Galaxy are worse in the West. They're currently tied exactly the same uh, points per game and so uh, and points. But DC has one more win than the LA Galaxy. So right. um, that would be interesting to see. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, I mean, just again, the Minnesota game is, is indicative of, a I, I think, a bad Galaxy team that went out and played a decent game and beat a okay Minnesota team. Right, that's fair. I mean, and I don't think, and if you're reading any more into that, I mean, especially even like the Giassi's artist thing, if you're reading more into the fact that you didn't need Giassi's artist against Minnesota, then to me, you're okay, sure, in that game, but what are you going to do when you have to face somebody like Seattle? Um, you know, what? however that goes. So it's, right. it, it's just, you can tell the Galaxy... I think had way more talent on the field than Minnesota, and they outplayed them, and that's fine. Is that a comment on Jossie, though? <clears throat> it, I think there's lots of comments on Jossie right now. Um, I think that maybe one of his best positions could be that right back position, which is not good for him. No, that and was not. That was not good. I, I don't think that he's a great. I don't think he's going to be great. But I also don't know that Robbie Rogers was great whenever he went from midfield back to defense right away. 
Um, but there's a, there's a, there's history of players doing that, and it's not unreasonable to think that the Galaxy don't think that Giassi's artist could possibly be a fit in that role, which is scary. But where else are you going to play him? Because tell me about all the midfielders the Galaxy have. I'm I'm saying that like he's not necessary on this team is what I'm saying. Just because if anyone was going to move Giassi's artist to right back, it would have been Bruce Arena because that's what Bruce Arena does, and it didn't happen. Siggy does it too. Siggy has a history of doing it too. So, so he could technically do it. I mean, uh, they know how. I, I mean, Anolfo moved legit to <laughs> right back. Right. So what's so so? But remember, Siggy doesn't get any crap really for moving Zardis to right back. He he kind of did. Did he? Yeah, he did. He's, I don't think he's. I think he got it from Jossie. I don't think he got it from necessarily from fans. Well, I think it was funny that Jossie scored and it's like, what are you gonna do? Let's put him at right back. That was that was my joke. Is like Jossie scoring. What should I do, Bruce? Put him right back out there, and then next game he's at right back. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I, I get that. I'm just saying that I don't see, and I think you're right. I think there's rumors, and we know of this, and we've talked about it before that the LA Galaxy tried to move Jossie's artist in the summertime. Uh, whether or not that ever got more than a phone call, don't know. But somebody wanted to move, so you know it was that. You know, Jermaine Jones was possibly also shopped during summertime. You can understand why you'd move or try to shop both of those. I think there needs to be a, a clear out in the in the off season. You, like they do the used equipment sale. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's you can go get it some. Yeah, I don't know if anybody got anything from that. Uh, I didn't shopping. see it this time. I really like those actually. It was that was always good. There's used equipment from the galaxy. You can go like buy like training shorts and shirts and stuff like that. And the jackets all, are the best ones. The jackets. That's that's always the good stuff. Yep, absolutely. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, so so that's what I see. I don't know if there's a place for a lot of guys going to next year. I mean, you can talk about Jossie's artist is certainly a question mark. Um, you know Jermaine what's his, Jones? Jermaine Jones, Ashley Cole. Yeah, totally. Um, I think. I think Bradford Jamison could be shoppable. I think he showed a little bit of promise towards the end of the year, and he'd do well on another MLS team. Um, who else? Who else do you think have? Boateng has value? Yeah, you could move Boateng if you thought that you could get something. Would you move Boateng? He's going to be a bench player next year, right? You know, assuming the LA Galaxy can actually stay healthy, which they were not able to do this year. Um, so, you know, this is where you get into these different things. They're midfield heavy, right? Which is why I think we've, I, you know, we've been kicking around the can sort of saying oh well they could move Ramon Alessandrini because he's a valuable asset right now somebody might want him you can't do it nope but you could um somebody in the chat room goes you almost wish Jossie wasn't such a nice guy so he'd be easier to get rid of there is something to that right it's like he's homegrown he's locked to the get you almost hope that you know but I mean if that was a thing AJ would still be around it would which is why people were up and up in arms whenever it happened right but would people be up in arms if Jossie left I don't think so. I think I think there's been enough of a conversation, and and the homegrown thing is great. But I think I think you got to move things around, and if something's not working, then you have to address that it's not working. I don't want the galaxy in the off season to just decide that they're going to move things around just to move things around. You got to shake the disease. I think you got to do it. And I'm fine with that. Just go ahead and make smart decisions. And this is the big problem is I'm not sure that the Galaxy have shown any sort of tendency to make smart decisions. Um, this year, I think I think Bruce has found those loopholes that were great, but they don't have that experience. Well, I don't know. I would say with, with Dominic Kinnear and Siggy together. Yeah, you might have You might, you have, might have that. You know, there's certainly an argument, too, about whether or not they're the right guys to sort of lead this forward too these are old 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 school guys well let's just say that i mean mls 1.0 2.0 siggy had success with seattle the galaxy weren't around seattle wins a couple of mls cups before that happens i will say that i think the Gal bruce 
Bruce had the better team. That was, a lot of times, that's how it worked. So in my head, Siggy moves to GM, mm-hmm. and then Dom takes that head coaching role. And I think that would be a lot better for player development and, and all of that as well. Well, again, and, recruiting. and I agree with you. This year, it's been the decision-making problem. Although, I think that there were probably some that even last year, in terms of recruiting and going after people and you know things that didn't quite work out the way that they were supposed to. And quite honestly, in previous seasons, you can look at the Steven Gerrard deal. You can look at uh, the Giovanni Del Santos deal, although he certainly produced last year. Right. Um, although, we still look back at that, and my argument at that last year was that he scored a lot of goals in, in streaks and in games that were already over. Um, and when you had Robbie Keane, that you could do that because Robbie was going to score a couple goals, and then Gio- and then uh, Giovanni dos Santos could come in and score a couple goals. So I, I, I see that argument as well. Um, I would say that even Yella Van Dam, with the with the ability to look backwards into it and see the problems that sort of got drummed up this particular year, probably wasn't a great idea to move him all the way across the country whenever his family was going to stay somewhere else. That's tough to do. Right. Here we go. We got a phone call. Uh, let's see if we can get this one in here. Uh, three two three. Who's this? It's Bobby. Hello. Hey, Bobby. What do you got, buddy? Hey, I just want to say, uh, what's up, uh, Josh and uh, Britt. Hey, what's up, Bobby? Hey there. What, what What are you thinking about the LA Galaxy in this last game? Oh, uh, this last game just uh, just passed. No, no. This is the the one that's coming up Sunday. Does it mean anything? Do you even care? Are you even gonna watch? Oh, definitely. You'll, de- um, you'll. I just want to see. Huh? No, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to see like what direction they go for because you know they could easily kind of just play the youth totally and kind of disregard that game or they could try to play around with formations and see kind of what they want to do going into next year in a way but i mean here's the deal is you have your last competitive game and this is going to be it until the off season you have a team that looks like they've at least been putting stuff together in a positive direction, what does playing the youth for this game, what does it do for the youth? Does it help you at all? What, is, what, is the, what does that do for you? How does it change anything? I guess, I guess you could just see who... You get a better kind of kind of vision of who you would want to see, I guess, lining up with, your, with the first team next year. Right. You know? Well, I mean, um, and I think that, that's one of the things they could do. I think Dave Romney was the one that said everyone's playing for their jobs, and... I mean, the season's already over. Why not play the kids and give them a chance to play for their jobs as well? I think playing the kids are, is a great idea. I know Britt was saying this before we even started. I, I disagreed, by the way, with with it. But all right, Bobby, anything else you got? Uh, nothing much. Just, uh, just uh, yeah, looking forward to the show tonight. All right, thanks, Bobby. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, all right, there we go. There's Bobby. No, see, I'm against playing the kids. I think that you have a chance not to finish last in the table. Take and... that wooden spoon. And what? Tell me which kid you need to see more of that you haven't already seen this season. Well, I don't think a lot of the kids have played under Siggy this go around, so I think that uh, I'd like. I but but he has seen him because he was certainly at a bunch of LA Galaxy two games before he ever got hired, and he was at a bunch of LA Galaxy games before he was ever hired. So he's seen him play. See, that's my whole thing is that this year, everybody says we should just be playing the youth. We're just playing the youth. Like, Galaxy, that's all they need to do is play the youth. And I'm like, that's all this season has been. Well, no, I don't I don't agree with that as much as that the first team hasn't gotten it done. And so might as well just play the kids. Now that you have options, play the kids and show the, the grownups like, hey, okay, I'm not saying kids and grownups, but, but show the more experienced players that, hey, maybe your job's not secure for next season. I think... It, 
it, here's here's my my general understanding or just my general feeling on it is that you finally have a team that's playing a little bit in the direction that you want it to go and you have a bunch of guys who I think are realistically going to be starters next year you can go through Giovanni Dos Santos Jonathan Dos Santos you know they're going to be starters for next year Ramon Alessandrini is going to be a starter for next year uh, you know will Boateng be a starter probably not but he'll at least be close and so you're going to want to see him you know you're already sort of figuring out that the goalkeeper position, Clement Diop, by the way, regardless of what happens, has had the most starts out of any LA Galaxy keeper, which I guess I say, what? Brian Rowe was injured for six weeks. He was, but... So that bumped th- him up, and then he stayed, stayed there. And yeah. then, he, then he stayed. And but and then now Siggy apparently is, is staying with... But you listen to Siggy in post games, and he doesn't seem like he's even close to convinced that anybody on the team is going to be... He's not confident with any of his keepers, no. No, and I think, and the fact that Brian Rowe can't even find a game, John Kempen got games, and Clement Diop got games, so how does how does Brian Rowe not fit into that? Right. I think that the Galaxy very well may have just completely broken Brian Rowe, and he's done. And he's ne- he's not coming back next year. I mean, what would be the argument for him coming no. back next year? No, um, I'm looking for Siggy Schmidt was talking a little bit about Diop uh, after the game against Minnesota. He said he's done all right in goal for us. I think early in the season when he played, he was a little inconsistent in some of the things that we did. He's become a lot more consistent in the things that we are doing. His feet are good. He reads the game well. He's aggressive off his line. Those are all pluses, and we want to make sure those pluses weren't going to be negatives in any sense. But obviously, in the last three games that we've played, he hasn't lost a game. So that says something. Doesn't? It's not exactly a glowing report card, right? It's like... Does yeah. he give glowing report cards very often, though? He talks He talks about Roman Alessandrini nicely. We all talk about Roman Alessandrini <laughs> nicely. Yeah, I don't think it's there's anything. It's not hard to do. No, no, that's the easy part. He talks about, you know, I think he's sometimes he's a little more uh, uh, positive about Gio than, than other people. But I also think that Gio demands positivity only because I don't think negativity would work for him at all. So I don't know that it's a positive to say, Gio, you're not doing well. I don't think that helps you in any sort of teams because i think geo might be a fragile person that's just my my two cents i don't know if i agree with that one but anyway do you think joe would do good under a under a person who's constantly yelling and screaming at him i mean i think that he's i I would say that he's not a fragile person because you can't be fragile and play at that level especially with the mexican press no way all right so then he's do you think that you have to treat him any differently than you treat other players i think every player needs their own like Right. Rapport with the coach, but I don't think he needs to be coddled or like walked out on the field like like a fragile little flower. That's I feel not... that's for me. Yes, that's how I see Geo. I see Geo as if you give him negative comments, he's just going to shut off and turn away and walk away and not come back. I talked about it at the beginning of the season where I said that a happy Geo is a good Geo. That's right. the only thing you can happen. So you have to keep him happy. And bringing in Jonathan Dos Santos seems like the ultimate happiness you know, creator, although it wasn't necessarily what the LA Galaxy needed. But again, if it gets Geo to perform and certainly Jonathan Dos Santos and Gio Dos Santos both played I think good games again nobody had a bad game uh Jonathan was much better than I I think I really expected him to be in that particular game had a lot of influence um his goal was great too um so all those things that's great but I just I really think that there are certain players you treat absolutely different and I think that Gio is one of the most fragile personalities out there and I agree with you that having to deal with the Mexican press is not something that's easy, and I'm not sure that he handles it all that well sometimes. I don't think that... I, I just think that he doesn't have the support he needs on the field. Like, yes, there are tons of players, but there's no Robbie Keane out there, no Robbie Keane-type character out there even. So, of course, he's going to struggle when he doesn't have constant support. 
But is it, but it, in playing the, wise, not right. like emotional support wise. But whenever it was at the beginning of the season or in the off season, the LA Galaxy said they were going to build around Giovanni Dos Santos. There was never going to be a Robbie Keane type to support That's him. That's their mistake because, well, I mean, if you were going to talk about yelling and screaming, does anyone yell and scream more than Robbie Keane? So no. technically, my my circ my I've gone full circle here. So he had that yelling and screaming, and he thrived with it. Maybe. Do you think Rob... Did Robbie yell at Gio, though? Yes, I'm sure he... Does Robbie Ro- not yell at Robbie anyone? doesn't yell... There's certain people Robbie didn't yell at. There were certain people. One of those people was Landon Donovan. They did not let yell at each other. All right? They never did. And that was just... A, I think it was a mutual respect thing. I would think, however, that Robbie Keane certainly yelled at Giovanni Dos Santos. I couldn't see how he couldn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sure he yelled at Landon at least a time or two as well. I think that... I don't know if it's like a... I feel like him not yelling is a sign of disrespect. Like, like that yelling is that respect. Like, I care enough I about care. you to, to yell. It sounds like an abusive relationship. <laughs> Listen, I really care about, that's why I yell, all right? Um, no, but I, you get into, I, 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 I know what you're saying. The thing is that, yeah, I think the Galaxy erred hugely whenever they decided to build it around Giovanni Dos Santos, and making him the guy makes him, I think, more of a difficulty to handle because you need him to be maximum performance in order to be able to get your 5.5 million dollars out of him he can be the guy he just needs that playmaker with him he just needs another guy that's going to be the guy right i mean that guy can be like an mls veteran guy like dax mccarty okay okay um he needed somebody he needs somebody like alana donovan who, who who maybe would have worked well with geo if they had really played together all that much uh he needs somebody like robbie Keane. So he needs playmakers, and there aren't that many playmakers in Major League Soccer. You're talking about a serious expense in order to get Giovanni Dos Santos to do Not what necessarily. he's doing. It's just like you need someone who can feed him the ball is pretty much. But, and there's none of that on the Galaxy right now. But Robbie did more than that in terms he of did. that. He created. Right. And, but there's there's no create. Listen, as much as I would love to say that the United States men's national team should be pulling all this amazing talent that they that uh, MLS has in American players, there are not. A, one, the American players that do get that time. Dax McCarty, great, great. Michael Bradley, great, you know, sort of both really good players. But you're talking about a couple guys out of that. There's not an American playmaker that you can get, I think, on the cheap or even not even on the cheap, just underneath the salary cap that's not a TAM player that can support Giovanni Dos Santos. I think that the, uh, like, and that just goes back into, like, the, the recruiting system or the the development. Because, I mean, it, you're naming all these, like, experienced players, but I mean, how much do we know about Juninho when he came through or, or Marcelo Sarvis? Things like that. Like, it doesn't have to be this big marquee player. I think that the team could be built around Gio. He just needs some sort of support. I, I, I mean, we said the same thing about Jossie all year, too. That he didn't have the support. Yeah. They both need the support. And I think they they really felt not having a Robbie Keane in there. But if you have Jossie and Gio and they still need a support player, where does that support come from? You had Roman Alessandrini being able to create things on the outside. You're, you're limiting the play. Geo isn't a forward. Geo's not really a number 10 because he's not much of a creator. Um, so he's sort of this hybrid in between that still plays in the middle of the field that probably takes up a striker position. But Giassi's also going to play high and probably takes up a striker position unless you put him on the wing. And then so we're running out of spots in order to get it. Jonathan Dos Santos isn't necessarily a huge 10. He's probably more of a, what, an 8? Even whatever you, an eight, a six, a box to box. Yeah. Okay. However you wanna you wanna define that, a box to box midfielder. So he's not really that guy. You ha- you have a creative guy on the right side. You even have Ian Boateng on the left hand side. If you wanted to say that he can create space for people, I'm trying to figure out a place where we need where, where the galaxy need to put somebody 
in order to be that creative player. And this is the problem that we have with all of it, and we've already talked about it once, which is the midfield has too many people and not enough playing positions, and there are people who are on the field who don't fit. Jossie Zardes doesn't fit somewhere right now. Whether or not he can learn to fit somewhere, he needs to play with a striker, somebody who's going to play up top with him. We saw it whenever he played next to, I think, Bradford Jameson, that there was chemistry and there was, you know, some some dangerous chances with Giossi's artist. You need to have a partner with him. Right. You can't do that with Gio because Gio can't be that partner. So now Gio doesn't fit on this team. It's I feel like it's a theme that we've been going through throughout the podcast this whole year is that there are pieces and there are good pieces, but none of them fit together. Right. And the Galaxy were built that way this year. Right. And I think that goes with the inexperience of the front office. Like it just, it always goes back to that argument where it wasn't planned properly. It wasn't planned properly. You know, it doesn't seem like there was an over, it doesn't, I don't feel like there was a plan being they have 17 million midfielders. I'm going to have to say there was no overreaching plan that was supposed to organize these guys. Oh my, the galaxy this year, plenty of things. This is the biggest surprise that I have right now is that the so far, the front office, outside of Cardinalfo, if you want to call him part of the front office, which he's coaching staff, however you want to say it. But outside of the front office, Chris Klein, Jovan Karofsky, Pete Vianis, outside of those three, that they all three still have their jobs right now. I think that it's not unfair to say that if the season, the way it goes, and whether it's wooden spoon or very down at the very bottom and just barely scrape by, is that there still seems to be there needs to be changes there. And right. that's not going to, you know, I love, I, I, I like the fact that you said, you know, Siggy Schmidt coming in to be general manager and that Dom Kinnear could be it. Uh, we talked about Bruce Arena coming in as the general manager and, and that Dom Kinnear would be the coach. I think everybody really likes Dom Kinnear. The players seem to like Dom Kinnear. Right. Um, so, you know, there's lots of positivity going that way, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to me that there doesn't seem to have been a course correction outside of the coaching staff. And I think that we've seen now throughout this whole change of coaching staff and everything else, that it wasn't all the coaching staff and it wasn't even close to all the coaching staff that Siggy Schmidt comes in and only gets two wins out of his, you know, first 12 or 13 games that the players that were on the field, you know, the way the teams were constructed seemed to be the biggest issue. And so if you're going to address the biggest issue, if you say you're the LA Galaxy and you say you have learned your lesson, we learned our lesson in 2017. We now realize all the mistakes we made in the offseason in 2016 and into 2017. We realize all that stuff and we're going to be better now. And the way we're going to be better is by having the same people who didn't have a plan in 2016, 2017 to have the plan in 2017, 2018. I accept full responsibility, but I'm not stepping down. Where have we heard that before? Yeah, well, I mean, do you want to talk about... um, uh, I was going to say, do you want to talk about just the way that the uh, Galaxy... Is it U.S. Men's National Team is where it's like I take full responsibility? That's what I'm quoting. That's what I was trying to trying to make sure I, I got it connected and, and doing stuff. I was reading chat rooms. Little side, oh, little side note, I would love Bruce in like a MLS scouting capacity, not necessarily going out and scouting, but like finding the players and putting them like, I don't know. I would like to see him at combines and things of that nature. I think he has a good eye for talent and I think that'd be a great role for him. I think it would be interesting. Uh, Bruce survived a lot on sort of the veteran guys that he knew and, and got brought up, but I certainly agree. I think Bruce always had an eye for talent. I think that he would play people if he thought that there was a addition to the senior team and he wouldn't just play people because, hey, they're the new up, up and coming kid type thing. And right. so, you know, I think there's there's something to that. On that on that veteran line, I think that that's what the galaxy is missing. I think that uh, 
it, they need an MLS veteran defender, I think is one of the biggest, biggest lacking for me because I would say that Michael Parker's role in Atlanta is much more than he's getting credit for. And that's usually with defenders whenever they... Right. I, but I agree with you. Well, and if you look at how Bruce Arena built teams, you had guys like Greg Berhalter and Todd Dunavant and, you know... These even, people who know the MLS system, and I think that that's what needs to happen in this this little world that's not working here. <laughs> the world that's not working. It's not working, that's for sure. Uh, let's go on to some LA Galaxy news as we... I'm sure we'll continue our discussion into all the different things that we see wrong with the LA Galaxy as we... Uh, <laughs> there's so many things. Um, you know, we're trying not to retouch on a bunch of stuff that we've already done. Oh, good. We got a call. Good. See, this is this is good. This is going to help us. Uh, let's see. 410, who's this? Who's this? Hi, this is Julio coming from Japan. Julio Hello? in Osaka. How's it going, buddy? Good. How, good. How are you and uh, Britt doing? We, we're hanging in there. Britt's okay too. I think for a little bit. She. They didn't. Apparently, they didn't put her espresso shot in her chai latte. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's I'm under caffeinated. She's right under now. caffeinated right now. So we're trying to struggle through that. But <laughs> but we had Reese's peanut butter cups before we started. So I think we're we're gonna be okay. What do you got for us? Okay. Um, <laughs> one. Where's my shirt? <laughs> is, it, is it is it has it made it yet it, it hasn't, hasn't arrived it yet. hasn't i have no idea it hasn't arrived yet i'm fingers crossed man so I'll have i to, like track it yeah if you go to bonfire uh they should be able to help you track that and and be able to find it my guess is that <laughs> it might take a little bit longer than us getting our shirts here just you know distance and different country wise so i hope it comes but let me know and if not i'll, I'll go and try to stir them as well the best part about this was that i had nothing to do with shipping or printing or anything else that was my favorite part so what else Okay. Oh yeah. So, um, uh, talking. Uh, I wanted to make a comment on Brit's earlier hot take about the galaxy getting the wooden spoon. Yes. Um, I kind of agree. Like, part of me agrees with that, but not for the same reason. Okay. Um, I kind of wanted to just, just you know, to be, to uh, the galaxy being like the worst team in MLS this season, only as a reminder to the people in the front office and AG of just how bad the management was this season. Right. And so you want this to be their punishment is that here's the wooden spoon. You have to look at it. And if you're not going to change, you're going to get more wooden spoons. Yeah. Something, something along those lines. That's just a part of me, but though, you know, I do want the galaxy to win in this next game, but I'm just a part of me just wants some, you know, just put like a, extra emphasis on how bad the season was just make them like keep it on their mantle like they just have to pass it around so that everyone remembers how bad this was and that it can't happen again yeah i, I think i think yes I, exactly I, I think that's a good idea all right uh anything else you got for us uh no that's all Okay, I, I let me know. You can hit me up at the at corner of the galaxy Gmail or whatever, and let me know if I need to help tracking your shirt. Everybody else got theirs in the U.S. that I know of, so I haven't heard anything. You're the only one, but I would grant it. Again, there's there's some distance things there, so it might take a little bit longer. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, talk to you later. Thank you. All right, our our Japan listener, my favorite person. My favorite person. I love that we have people in Japan who listen to the show. It's a, it's totally an ego trip for me. Just just letting everybody know. <laughs> people are asking where my tank top is because I said that I would do a tank top show. Uh, mm -hmm. It's coming. I wanted to like you know let that breathe for a little bit. Definitely do it in the off season when there are less people paying attention. Um, <laughs> but I will do it. So the, so the guns out show, the suns out guns out show will be will happen eventually. Uh, but you know that's just a horrible horrible deal I made for the with the rest of you. That was ridiculous. Uh, LA Galaxy team news. Uh, let's talk real quick about the LA Galaxy's postseason training. All right. 
this is new to a lot of people, including myself. Whenever the LA Galaxy don't make the playoffs, certain things happen. One of the things that happen is that they will get a week off. So they go and play on October 22nd against FC Dallas. They will come back, and they will get a week off. So expect one week. They will come back to work on October 29th or 30th, and they will start training, which is basically, hey, part of the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement with the players, is that you guys get to train afterwards. And this is that way people can actually um, you know, still stay uh, somewhat in shape because otherwise it would be almost two and a half months off and that's a really long time to be away from soccer and everything else. All right, we got another telephone call. Let's see if we can squeeze it in. Who's this? This is Chris from Cerritos. Hey, Chris. How's it going? What do you got? I, I knew I knew it was coming before it even happened. I could just tell. There's just there's something. There's a song and it comes across really horrible on this. I can't remember which <laughs> song it is, but it's some meme that's going out there. So anyway, yes, there we go. Okay. So anyway, so we go on. So the players will basically come in and uh, they'll return the week of the 29th to 30th. They will start possibly for three to four weeks of training. And so whenever they do that, we'll see what's happening. Siggy has already said that as soon as it's over, he's already going to have some trialists and he'll have, you know, the kids from USL and the academy team. Everybody will be up training with the senior team. So it's going to be one big giant thing. But the trialist thing is already interesting. He already has people he wants to bring in. Good. So that's that's good. So that's what you want to see. Here's the uh, sort of rub on that is that the European players might be released because... One is some of the European players are like, why would you keep them? Let them go home. So guys like Ashley Cole, if he wanted to leave, which he might stay. Um, but if he wanted to leave, you could send him home. Ramon Alessandrini, who's over from obviously from Marseille. If he wants to go home, then he can go home. That, they might let those guys go. And the CBA is kind of fuzzy on that. So Have you heard anything about uh, off-season loans from the, for the Dos Santos's who are trying to... Stay, stay stay sharp World for Cup World sharp. Cup. Yeah, I haven't, and it would be interesting to see if any of that happens. It's going to be, I'd say it's it's a detriment, obviously, to the LA Galaxy that they're going to have the Dos Santos brothers, who are both expected to be on, on the Mexico World Cup team. Um, that I and I remember talking to Landon Donovan about this is that it, it is mentally and physically draining during a World Cup year and having to play through the season and obviously with MLS's crazy, ridiculous schedule compared to the rest of the world, they're going to be exhausted when they come back, and it's going to be a it will be interesting. You saw Landon Donovan suffer from it. You saw other national team players just come back just completely out of it and not able to play as much. Because when you think about it, the World Cup is upper echelon. I'm giving 100%. That's absolutely, you know, everything laying it on the line. And they have these guys who come back. I wonder if it's more of a detriment now because back when Landon played or the, at least a couple of World Cups ago, MLS didn't give him that as much of a break. So games are still being played. So the season felt a little bit shorter where like he was missing a few Galaxy games with with U.S. national team duty. So now if they're giving MLS these breaks, then those games still have to be played. So it's just adding games to their calendar for the year. Yeah, it is going to be one of those. It's going to be a messed up year. I yeah. mean, and clearly. And they're going to get a break. And, and like you said, there will be a break. It will probably be... I would say comparable to 2014's break. I don't think they're going to get any more time, um, although maybe it's warranted, maybe it's not, and we'll, you know, you, you get to watch. But for the LA Galaxy, you're going to have definitely those two guys gone, and they're two designated players. And granted, the Galaxy have been through this before, but with the deeper teams that were able to sort of pick that up. So it's important to build a deep team for next year, knowing you're not going to have Gio and you're not going to have Jonah for, um, I would say, a large portion of the summer because it right. usually ends up being there. there's training camp beforehand, then there's the games, then there's the recovery afterwards, and sometimes that's two or three weeks after you know you come back from the World Cup where these guys really take some time off. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. So for that reason, I don't worry. 
I'm not as concerned for the LA Galaxy trying to loan Gio and Jonah out in the offseason because I feel like they're going to want to not be 100% pumped up and, and gone because they're going to need to rest for that for that time. So I think that if they do the offseason loan, that would be a tremendous amount of soccer. They're basically going to play over a year of soccer straight. Right. That's a lot. I don't know. Didn't Isn't that what Landon did? Wasn't like Everton right before? Um, was it before the World Cup? I don't think it was before the World Cup. I don't remember Cup. the I think, timeline yeah, of it. I, I don't think it was before the World Cup, at least not the 2014 where he eventually got cut. Um, right. But uh, 2010 in South Africa, maybe that was right before. I think so. I think he just had a lot of soccer, and maybe that's why he needed that break. But, like, I don't know. I think it's important for them to stay in shape for it. Right. Because two and a half months off is a lot for anyone, and then play on the world's biggest stage is ridiculous. It is, and I cert- and I agree with that. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I still think that I haven't heard anything. It doesn't mean that nothing's going on, but right. you would expect that it's not going to happen until January because right. it can't until the transfer windows start opening up. So we'll sort of we can engage that and sort of watch that as we go. Christian in the chat room says, "Just want to say that I called you talking about Geo and JDS on going on loans." So there we go. See, they're smart people oh, all around. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. What else in terms of news do we have? Uh, okay, so anyway, so that we talked about the postseason training. Now let's talk about preseason training camp. The LA Galaxy will report to preseason training camp on January 22nd of 2018. Uh, that's a pretty usual starting time for everybody, but that's when they'll report to StubHub Center. Usually that first day consists of uh, conditioning slash uh, physicals slash physical testing and all the fun stuff that they normally do. Uh, Siggy Schmidt has already indicated that some of that training camp will be spent away from StubHub Center center something that bruce arena hated by the way uh bruce used to say there's no reason for us to go anywhere uh it sounds like a lot of work and the hardest part was trying to find games and he goes plenty of people will come to southern california to play the galaxy so but siggy says they're going somewhere could be tucson maybe a desert diamond cup uh that the galaxy once participated in for a little bit so maybe that's the closest sort of training camp i think they also do one down in is there one in orlando where they also have some games and and do some stuff i think so i pay no attention to the preseason and where they go but maybe not a a trip to fresno this year to face face San Jose, maybe, you know, that's been a thing in the last couple of years. Right. Um, so just sort of watch what those preseason are. But again, January 22nd, you can already mark it down in your calendar, so that way you can start to get ready for what that 2018 season is going to be. Uh, finally, the other bit of LA Galaxy news, which is Interesting, more than anything else, uh, the LA Galaxy will host the inaugural international youth tournament in Southern California called the LA Galaxy Cup. Uh, this will feature LA Galaxy academies to participate and also includes England, Swansea City, and a lot more. So they're trying to get worldwide attention for this. Uh, it's from the U12 to the U19 level. So you could get some U18 players in there, which would be, or 18 year old players, which would be interesting to sort of see from around the world. Uh, it starts on Wednesday, March 28th. All right. So in next year, um, but if you want to put it in your calendars, it's kind of something that's going to be interesting and accessible to, I think, a lot of people. It's it's near me, so that's why I'm, I'm of particular interest. It's down in Orange County uh, at the Great Park where they have 18 fields and also that 5,000-seat soccer stadium where Orange County SC plays, the LAFC affiliate there. So um, just very interesting things whenever you look at what the LA Galaxy Academy is doing, and maybe that will be a good time. There's going to be a l- bunch of LA Galaxy Academy teams, you know, the different teams that are all affiliates and also just the, the general academy. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of draw this does and if this could be something similar to what happens in Dallas with uh, some of the, I think, the U.S., USSDA, the Development Academy, you know, playoffs yeah. and the big national sort of tournament that comes in and do some things. So, um, 
that's what that's coming up in uh, in March, March twenty eighth, this Sunday, April first, and hopefully I'll be able to get to some of those games. Let me talk to some of the kids. Got to talk to like an eleven year old kid. What he thinks about the galaxy? That sounds like that would be fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody in the chat room, Eduardo, he goes, if in eight months uh, we're still in a bad situation again, are we allowed to be surprised? Seeing Siggy only kind of did better than Kurt. Uh, maybe it's a 2020 hindsight type of deal. So if the Galaxy are in a similar situation next year, would you be surprised? Brent? I would be surprised because Siggy will have an entire offseason to build his team. And I believe that he can talk to the people in the front office in ways that maybe Anolfo didn't have the experience to do. And I think that he has a little bit more clout and he can make those decisions and kind of put his input more into the the players and and he and Dominic Nier both have experience building good teams and planning it out. And I think that's something that the Galaxy just didn't have this year. So I would be surprised if they were still wooden spoon contenders in eight months from now. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I, I think I would be a little surprised. Um, it depends. It depends on how much change they decide to go ahead and make. I mean, there's already a change. Britt, you brought up a quote and from Siggy Schmidt talking to Kevin Baxter. Uh, and I talked to Kevin after it happened, so he sort of gave me the, the and I'll paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically uh, Kevin asked, you know, would you be surprised if Ashley Cole, uh, if Chris Klein came to you and said that Ashley Cole is coming back next year? And Siggy Schmidt, you know, made a point of saying, uh, I, Chris Klein wouldn't be telling me he's coming back. I would be telling him that Ashley Cole is coming back. Right. I will tell you right now that that is a flip and a change from what happened under Cardinalfo where it seemed like uh, that, that Pete Vianis... Um, and Jovan Karofsky could outvote, uh, you know, somebody like Cardinalfo. Now, if that's the case, that Siggy has taken over the decision-making chance, then my question is sort of what is Pete Vianis's job if Siggy Schmidt is going to go ahead and make these decisions already? The same thing that Chris Klein's job's been for the last however many years? Yeah, and it's sort of, there's it's... something there. It's like, okay, so you're a figurehead now and you're not doing anything. Again, you're, you're, the move for Siggy Schmidt into general manager makes a lot more sense than to keep Pete Vianis doing something Thing. You know, I think right. he was VP of soccer operations before and that type of thing. So uh, he was academy director before that. So it would be interesting to see how that all goes. And and but that's inter- the the important part of this is that Siggy made it a point to tell Kevin Baxter that. Right. That's that's not the a wording is yeah that the wording was not a mistake clear. yeah it, exactly so I think that you are going to see a lot of that and I agree with you Britt that I think that Siggy and and Dominic now have a great opportunity to be able to influence the building of this roster and you can hear that Siggy is already talking about bringing in other guys and and doing other things so none of that is surprising uh, none of that should be surprising uh, let's go real quickly to the LA Galaxy schedule I like doing this whenever there's only one game remaining there's one game remaining against FC Dallas. That's all you need to know. Also, all you need to know is that every single game this Sunday, and again, the game is on Sunday, every single game this Sunday, regardless of who your team is, kicks off at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Everybody plays at the exact same time, so if you have your MLS Live subscription, you can do the nice four-screen one where you have watch four games at once, which could be interesting. Uh, Toronto FC and the Eastern Conference are all settled in terms of who's going to be there. But I think there's teams in there that can finish anywhere from third to fifth. So there's lots of things that could change around and move uh, in, in terms of how they do their final finishing. It's Toronto, New York City FC, Chicago Fire, Atlanta F- Atlanta United FC, Columbus Crew FC, and the New York Red Bulls. So uh, those are the teams that are in the Eastern Conference. They're already set just where they finish in terms of seeding. 
All right. Uh, for the for the Western Conference, there is only one spot up for remaining in terms of inclusion, and then there's obviously jostling for positions again. Vancouver Whitecaps are at the top, and I believe they almost clinched the number one seed. Portland can technically overtake them if, if Vancouver loses, that type of thing. Although, are Vancouver and Portland playing each other? See, I didn't even look at the whole thing. I think I look. There, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with the, with Cascadia, and Cascadia looks like they're getting to get all three of their teams into the playoffs and, and playing, and, and they're all at, right now currently one two and three as well which is um i don't know i think it's bad for the rest of us because the the egos that will be driven out of cascadia finishing one two and three in the pacific northwest is nothing anybody really needs to ever have to deal with and that's what everybody looks like they're gonna have you to said deal portland with. and vancouver right yeah they're playing against each other so see there is a chance that you could have a flip-flop of the number one seed right now with vancouver uh leading portland by two points so portland wins they could jump on and take that number one seed uh seattle sounders also at that 50 point mark which is the same as portland so technically i guess if they draw 53 no see then it would be vancouver and then it would tie seattle but seattle can't finish first i've see i've been reading all of these things so seattle i don't think can finish first um even if they win and vancouver and portland draw it doesn't put seattle into that first seed but it would jump seattle over portland and put them into the second seed and get that first round by so that's sort of the things that are jostling here the real important thing is down here at the bottom where the la galaxy are playing uh, against FC Dallas. FC Dallas at 43 points, tied with San Jose Earthquakes, but out right now on wins. Uh, San Jose would have to lose uh, or draw, and FC Dallas would have to win in order to jump and do some of these things in order to get in. So I actually have FC Dallas and why it's important. He says that he has it somewhere because he put it here. FC Dallas will clinch a berth in the MLS Cup playoffs if... FC Dallas wins versus the LA Galaxy on Sunday, and San Jose Earthquakes tie or lose versus Minnesota United on Sunday, or FC Dallas tie versus the LA Galaxy on Sunday, and San Jose Earthquakes lose versus Minnesota United on Sunday, and Real Salt Lake tie or lose versus Sporting Kansas City on Sunday. So just because I might be like part supervillain, I would love to see the Galaxy... Well, wait, that doesn't go with my wooden spoon theory, but I would love the Galaxy to Trinidad and Tobago... FC Dallas, so they win. Like the Galaxy are already very far out of it, right? But their win would negatively affect someone else. Here's here's the thing, okay? If the Galaxy win this game, they can't get the win. San Jose would automatically be in the playoffs, right? So if you want the wooden spoon, here's to make you feel better about your wooden spoon. If you want the wooden spoon, the Galaxy lose, FC Dallas win, all right, and San Jose chokes against Minnesota and FC Dallas is in the playoffs and San Jose is out. So I think I found, I just found a way for this game to be cool for me either way. Okay. So the Galaxy can Trinidad and Tobago uh, FC Dallas, which is a verb I will be using whenever I can. Or if they lose, then they get the wooden spoon and and I'm a happy Brit either way. There you go. A happy Brit either way. So anyway, that's uh, that's sort of where we're at in terms of how things can finish. So the LA Galaxy, here's the, here's the thing for the LA Galaxy. <sighs> they're tied with DC United for the worst. So if we're looking at what happens, the Galaxy need a difference, and I always call these things difference, between DC United in order to not finish last. Or they need a difference against Colorado, but it's a different difference. So if the LA Galaxy win and DC United draws or loses, then the Galaxy would not finish last in the, in the, um, in the league. They would, they would not win the wooden spoon and DC United would claim it. Uh, if the LA Galaxy would draw and DC United loses then the LA Galaxy, again, would jump ahead of DC United and not finish last. Uh, there's a scenario in which the LA Galaxy win, DC United win, all right, and the Colorado Rapids uh, lose. 
I think they might, can they draw 34? Yeah, they could even draw. Colorado could lose or draw and the Galaxy would jump over top of Colorado. But the Galaxy would need to win in order for that to happen. You can't get a draw and make that happen. So, because Colorado wins on win difference. So the first tiebreaker is wins, FYI. So that's that's sort of where it sits. So, I mean, there's multiple scenarios of the LA Galaxy not finishing last. The problem is that if the Galaxy lose, they're guaranteed to finish last because they're already in last right now. And that's how it works. So if you're voting against the wooden spoon, you need the Galaxy to draw or you need them to win. And then you need some something to happen in those Colorado DC United games. Here is the thing. Colorado has to go up to Seattle and play Seattle for their last game. That's a that's a loss if I ever heard one. Right. All right. And then DC United, this one's a little more iffy, and you wouldn't think it would be iffy, but it's more iffy because of the circumstances. DC United hosts New York Red Bull, a playoff team. So you would say, hey, Red Bulls should be able to win this game. One, they host them, so it's on the road for New York. And two, it's the last game ever at RFK. And there's going to be all sorts of hoopla there. I imagine the crowd will actually be pretty large as well. Twitter's already a lot of fun. People showing their memories from RFK and all of that. So I, I mean, I really hope that DC wins that one. You would think, for but multiple reasons. The easiest way for the Galaxy to to not have the wooden spoon would be for DC to lose, and then the Galaxy everything have a chance. Counts. Then then everything can sort of go. So so that's how it goes. Uh, if the playoffs started right now in the Western Conference, Vancouver would be the first seed. Portland would be the second seed. Your third seed would be Seattle, who would face off in the knockout round match against the sixth seed San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, and if you're looking at the fourth seed, Sporting Kansas City would host the fifth seed, Houston Dynamo. That's if everything ended right. Right now in the Western Conference. If the playoffs started right now uh, in the Eastern Conference, Toronto FC has that first round by. New York City FC gets the second seed in the first round by. You would have the third seed, Chicago Fire, hosting the New York Red Bulls, who are the sixth seed, and the fourth seed, Atlanta United, hosting the fifth seed, Columbus Crew. All right, so that's what it looks like. That's at least what the playoff picture looks like right now. Let's get to the LA Galaxy now and their game, the last game, the one that we've been sort of talking on and off about the whole time. LA Galaxy versus FC Dallas. This game is on Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. You got there. You're a Texan accent with that one. I was going to say, you did that or Aussie. It was way out in the, somewhere from the... It's been a long season. Uh, Sunday, October 22nd, 1 p.m. on Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes. Again, all games kick off at 1 p.m. Not hard to figure that one out. Uh, Dallas is 10, 10, and 13 for 43 points. Uh, they last played a game against Seattle where they lost in Seattle 4 to nothing. The LA Galaxy are 8, 17, and 8. Very symmetrical for the Galaxy this whole year. They've been very 8, eight and 8, 7 and 7 in terms of wins and, and draws. So it's been very 8, 17, and 8 for 32 points. Uh, beat Minnesota 3 to nothing at home for their last game. Here is the thing about this game. We talked about FC Dallas, Britt, being a good team at the beginning of the year. And the Galaxy certainly faced them, and FC Dallas had a very good start to the year. And FC Dallas was probably the team to beat in the Western Conference whenever you started the season. Uh, That has not been the case the second half of the season. And since July 4th, I did the math, Dallas is 2-8-6 for 12 points. And they've been outscored 32-13. to Hmm. Okay, the LA Galaxy since July fourth are two nine and four for ten points, and they, one less game by the way, uh, and they've been outscored thirty to sixteen, so not as bad in the goal differential. Technically, Dallas has had worse goal differential since July fourth, and almost the same record as the LA Galaxy. Are you counting the July fourth game because that would no. definitely affect the goal no, differential? No, because I had to do it for both of them because they both, um, what was it? They both won the game after their July fourth game, so okay. I wanted to do it. So since July fourth, which doesn't exclude, I've been told by reporters that since excludes the the date that you're doing. That's fair. Yes. So since it was July, 4th, I'm just saying that a negative four goal differential would would, would fix that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but yeah. So you look at that. So I just, I think that these two teams are actually pretty comparable in terms of what they are. I think FC Dallas should be the better team at home. One of them was good this year. One of them was good for a while, <laughs> but it's certainly it doesn't. It, the only good that's done for Dallas now is that they are at least fighting for a playoff position because the second half of the season has been disastrous for them. You know, on par and on pace with the LA Galaxy, which is a disaster. I think that. Dallas is going to get this one because they do have that chance. Like if we're not going to play for a, a spot to, I'm getting sad about the U S right now. If you're not going to play for that spot and secure your own spot right. in, in the next round, then and, and they can, say about and you? they can win and it won't matter, but they have to win in order for it to even have a chance. This hurts my soul so much right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things with the U S uh, that's how it went. And now the Galaxy sort of are in that same position in terms of that they could be the Trinidad and Tobago. They can go in and they can upset FC Dallas and they can sort of ruin all those things for FC Dallas. So it'll be interesting to see how the Galaxy face this. Now, I took full credit for the Galaxy beating um, you know, Minnesota United because I got to talk to Ashley Cole on Saturday and I may have alerted them to the fact that if they didn't win, they were going to have be tied for the worst, <laughs> fewest wins, right? And so, and he even mentioned it in the post game that it was something he thought about. So I, 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 I sort of made sure that, you know, whenever I talked to some guys, um, you know, this week that I made sure that they understood that if they lose, they finish last in the league. So I'm, I'm hoping that my, my positive influence again can, uh, can sort of wake some people up. I always think that's interesting. Sometimes I don't think the players know. And I think they choose not to look at that kind of thing sometimes. So, sometimes it might help, but also I think that it can be used as a real motivator. So, I mean, if you're the coaching staff, you have to sit there and go, do you guys want to be the 2001 uh, Tampa Bay Mutiny? You know, Ashley Cole doesn't even know who the Tampa Bay Mutiny are because they disbanded after the 2001 season and he's never heard of them before, right? So, I mean, that's who you could be That's who you could be tied with. You don't want to be in that tour, but you're, you are who you keep friends with. The LA Galaxy don't want to be friends with the 2001 Tampa Bay Mutiny. Have you seen their logo, though? With the Tampa Bay Mutiny? Was yeah. a fire? Was no, 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 no. That's it's the really... it's the bat, like this the alien bat from hell or something from space. Really? Yeah. The Tampa Bay Mutiny? Yeah, they had a cool bat logo. It was way it was before my time. It, it was amazing. It was before my time. I was <laughs> if I, anyone knows where I could get one of those, please let me know. Somebody should Thanks. like recreate some of those. I, I that's the, that's Send all them my way. That's Thanks. all the big rage, yeah. Hit hit Brett up on uh, on Twitter. All right. So anyway, so that's this is the FC Dallas game. It is going to be an interesting one. I think that tactics in terms of the LA Galaxy, I have no idea. Uh certainly see could decide to play a whole bunch of young players and see how that goes. I don't think he's going to. I think that you're going to see a lot of the same starters that you had against Minnesota. And I think that the team seems to be on this kick of wanting to finish positively and have that going into the offseason because there's going to be two and a half months basically without a competitive game. And they're going to have to live with whatever this sort of last. Yes, the season was horrible, but if you can take a silver lining out of the last game and say, hey, we won against Minnesota, our last home game, we won it. Okay, things are starting to build. Things are starting to build. I don't think so. I don't think this last game matters for next season because. Lord, I hope there's a lot of changes and it's I, I want this po this postseason to be like a complete reset. So I think that's why I'm like, yeah, let's go for the wooden spoon because I hope that whatever this game is doesn't actually affect things a week from now. Yeah, because you expect people to be gone and things to, yeah. be, things to be happening. No, I, I understand that. Siggy has been made at a point multiple times to talk about his Columbus crew days where they had a horrible season and the next year they went and won the MLS Cup, right? And he said that it really started the season before. But knowing that, and if you probably go back and look at that Columbus crew team, there were pieces in place. And there were a lot of pieces in place. With the LA Galaxy, how many of those pieces remain in place? 
you know, I think that Chris Klein has said there are seven players who are on guaranteed contracts that are sort of guaranteed to already come back. And outside of that, there's nobody else. So that's 23 positions that are possibly up for grabs. So you don't know how it goes. Um, I think that's an interesting sort of take on it to see if there's going to be that much turnover. I think that if there is that much turnover, that the Galaxy, again, may do something wrong in just the amount of turnover. I think that there are some pieces here that they need to keep and they need to shuffle some midfielders. If they can trade for valuable assets out of their plethora of midfielders, maybe that's the best way to go. But if they're rebuilding like they did last year, because basically last year was a rebuild. If they're rebuilding again, it means that none of those pieces that they have are anywhere close to it. And if that's the case, if you're not close at all, then what hope is there for next season? I think that keeping things the way they are is more of a mistake than a complete overhaul, if that makes sense. No, it does. I, I know what you're saying. It's because there, you can almost say that there's nothing positive to come out of this season. So pretty much, what do you want to keep? I think that there's more out of this season than people realize in terms of players who are going to be starters again next year. And so whenever you look at it that way, yes, I think that they need a starting goalkeeper. Depressing. They, it is depressing, right? But the, I think they need a starting goalkeeper. Um, I'm with them. They need a starting right back. They need probably another center back. Um, a starting center back, and yeah. they need a striker. That's four positions out of 11 that the LA Galaxy are going to have to do. If you get all four of those positions, though, that's not a complete rebuild turnover. That's four positions that you needed, that you needed starters at, and hopefully you build depth in behind it. And I'm I'm kind of, this might be more wishful thinking than anything, but like a new defensive center mid as well. So another, uh, like somebody to sort to of replace take over, Jermaine, Jermaine Jones. Jones, because yeah. Yeah. I would say right now that in terms of how I feel about Jermaine Jones, or at least in terms of how I feel about his possible return, that as of before, I was saying there's no way he's ever coming back. I think Siggy Schmidt likes him an awful lot. Right. And so if that's the case, maybe there's a question. I, well, I know there's a question about whether or not to bring Jermaine Jones back next year. Um, there's also a question of the fact that he takes up $722,000. And unless there's a severe adjustment in the amount of money that he's going to be paid, that that's a lot of money to be sort of gambling again on Jermaine Jones. And let's not forget, he missed a whole bunch of games due to injury this year. Right. And he's not getting any younger for next year. Uh, I, while I think he's played well in these last couple of games, you still have to ask, ask the question about whether or not he's valuable enough to, right. to be on this team next year. Or And the same question goes for Ashley Cole. Let's be 100% honest, and I think I have been with Ashley Cole. I really like him on this team. I think he adds that veteran presence that the Galaxy are missing. I think that he probably should be captain this year, and the fact that he's not right now is sort of head-scratching, but he's going to be 37 years old. How much money are you going to have to pay him? He's underpaid right now for realistically what who he is, which is 107 national team appearances and you know a Champions League trophy. The dude is going unnoticed in Los Angeles. In Brittany's world, he moves to a coaching staff position for next season. I don't think that that's something that he would want to do. I think that he feels like he might have more time. But I think that his locker room presence might be the strongest thing that he brings and that positivity. So in my eyes, I, I mean, I don't know. That's I have, I've had that opinion on a lot of Galaxy players. It's like, oh, your time here might be done. But I think you're a good human, so let's keep you within the organization right right no and and i think a lot of people feel that way i just don't think that that ever really happens and i don't know that pete vianis yeah i know well even uh greg berhalter was player coach i right. believe at one point so i mean it has happened right there's 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 some there but i think for ashley cole at 37 if you could get him if you could get him for another year and he plays like he played this year whatever you pay him including up to maybe four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is just under it 
if you can offload some of the other more expensive contracts, which would be somebody like Jermaine Jones, um, Jossie Zardis, who has an expensive contract. There's, ta- there's targeted allocation money in both of those that you could sort of offload and, and free up salary cap room. If you can do that, then do you gamble on Ashley Cole again for whatever he can give you and know that you may have to have a backup in place? Because right. he said, and he even said it after the game against Minnesota, I'm going to play until my legs get out. Well, is that gonna? When's that gonna be? He doesn't know, right? right? And nobody knows. But you know, you're sort of that. I'm also of the opinion sometimes that you should get rid of somebody a year early than a year late. Right. And Ashley Cole is that borderline right now. Robbie Keane would have been better had you gotten rid of him the year after 2015. Right. And because you saw what happened in 2016, but his year in 2015, I think he scored the most goals ever for the Galaxy. Whenever he was he was there. So how do you deny the man a chance to come back for the next season? So these are always sort of interesting decisions, but I think they're going to definitely shape the way that the LA Galaxy look at things in the offseason. And if they decide to go younger there, then they have to, you know, all respect to all the guys who play in all those positions. Um, they need to find a starting left back. If, yeah. if Ashley Cole's not going to be there, they need to find a starting left back. If he's going to stay, you need to find a backup left back. Right. So, I mean, those are sort of the different decisions that they have to make. All right. LA Galaxy versus FC Dallas on Sunday, October 22nd, 1 p.m. This is the final game of the year. This is it. No more. You don't have to put up with the Galaxy losing and disappointing you and ruining weekends after this one. That's pretty much how I think 2017 uh, is is sort of planned out for a lot of people. Uh, I, of course, will miss the chances to go to the uh, stadium and all those fun things as well. So uh, it's going to be a long off season, uh, a little bit different from a lot of people. I was talking with somebody close to the LA Galaxy uh, whenever I was out at training over the last weekend, and I was like, hey, this is nice. I go, I go, is this, you know, nice? And he goes, it's totally different. He goes, it's totally different. He goes, you know, I, I did something I haven't been able to do since 2009. I said, what was that? He goes, well, I made pre- I made plans for Thanksgiving. He goes, most of the time I would just have to go and like run somewhere in order to find Thanksgiving. He goes, he goes, so I actually made plans. I'm going to go like spend it with family. He goes, I would do that sometimes, but it would be last minute and I'd have to like run out and rush out. So it's different. And it's, it's, you know, this person isn't saying that's a good thing. They're just saying it's different and that it's something that they sort of looked at. All right. Uh, Let's see, Britt, anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? Uh... No, not really. Uh, um, all right. You want to tell people where they can find you? Anything else? or, or did you Oh, have... I, I mean, we talked briefly about Columbus, but our hearts to Columbus, I think. Oh, oh. And all of that. The Columbus thing. Let's, I don't want to go. Let's, let's touch on it real quick because real it's quick. certainly in the, in, the, in the minds of a lot of people and what can happen. Um, I'll preface it by saying this. There are certainly a lot of things that you have to look at with Major League Soccer in terms of the original teams right now. Right. And I think there's some original teams that could struggle, including the LA Galaxy, going into this MLS 3.0 sort of stratosphere. Um, when you look at Columbus, the first team to build a soccer-specific stadium, right? MLS 1.0 to the... It was so exciting. It was. Oh, my God. A place that you could actually watch. It's just for soccer. That's no what they, football lines? No football. What? Yeah, it was Yeah, it was huge. And it was a huge deal. And what they were able to do and, you know, what the Hunts were able to do with that team and just keeping the league alive, again, that's what Columbus sort of stands for. And, and like, you can't leave out the Dos Aceros either because that's what happened there. That That's that stadium. Yeah, so the U.S. men's national team made that a stadium, made that a fortress, and they still right. play there. Um, so with, uh, and if you haven't heard, uh, Anthony Precourt, who is the owner of Columbus crew, uh, basically said if, and he, he prefaced it at the beginning like this, that said, Hey, we're not, apparently we're not going to get a downtown stadium. And if we're not going to get any help, then I'm going to move the team to Austin. Uh, it's interesting because basically he had to sign a deal whenever he bought the franchise, uh, bought the Columbus crew franchise. He had to sign a deal saying he wouldn't move the team for 10 years. Uh, but his one clause, he had an out in there and that I can move the team to Austin 
if right. if if I wanted to, and that was inside of that ten years. So it seems like there's been a little bit of him uh, planning this from the very beginning. In fact, not a little bit, maybe a lot. Right. Uh, he owns a website. I think it's called MLS to ATL, um, and he pub and he bought that in, in August, I believe. So there's some pre-thought that has gone into this from He's pre-court. He's met with the mayor. There's there's stuff behind it for sure. There's stuff behind it. Here's here's my or like sort of take on it, and I think this will anger people at the beginning, but I also have a, an actual view and opinion on it, is that uh, if you wanted to know when Major League Soccer was going to make it to sort of, you know, at least rival the, the major sports in the United States, this is one of the steps that you just, you just made. Um, because now you're talking about a, an owner who is unhappy where he's at, uh, who thinks that the revenue he's getting and the operations side, and I'll get into operations, revenue, and asset thing here in a second, but that basically his his asset isn't worth very much in Columbus and it will be worth more in, in Austin. And he's going to move the team there. And he's going to basically, this is a hostage situation for a stadium. And if it's a negotiation tactic, then you, maybe you wouldn't have gone all in and talking to the Austin mayor and doing all these things. Or maybe you would maybe to look at very good. And you're going to say, I need a downtown stadium because Britt, you and I talked about that stadium. It's great in terms of what it stood for. Right. It was built very cheaply. It was built very quickly. It was built kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's I think it's on the Ohio State Fairgrounds. If I something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and I've never been there. Kevin, I talked to Kevin. He's been there many times. He, he says, you know, for what it was, it was great, but its best days are behind it, and it looks like that. So it needs to be rebuilt. Something needs to happen there. Um, and the attendance looks like it hasn't dipped that much in Columbus. Right. So you're you're really trying to figure out what this is all about, and um, it's about making money. And that's all MLS has really been about from the very beginning, whether or not it's the people who kept it alive. They kept it alive because they could foresee a future that their asset would become, you know, worth a lot more. And you look at the LA Galaxy and how much they've appreciated over the years. And so you look at the operational losses. So you have your year-to-year operational losses. Most Major League Soccer teams don't make any money. Um, in fact, I would be surprised, and Forbes has a list of them that they have estimated made some money. I would be surprised if any of those are accurate enough to show that they had a positive game operationally from ticket sales and from anything else year over year. But what they've all made money off of, Britt, is that asset appreciation. How much the Seattle Sounders gain in net worth from year to year just because they're the Seattle Sounders and they're in Seattle and yep. that it's something somebody would want. All right, the LA Galaxy listed as the most valuable franchise in Major League Soccer this year over the Seattle Sounders. So this is what Columbus is talking about. In my, it, this is what Precourt is talking about. He's saying that he feels like there isn't enough of an asset appreciation in Columbus, and he feels like perhaps that that would be better in Atlanta. Austin. <sighs> oh, sorry. Thank you, Austin. They both start with A, and they're so close to each other. So, you know, right next door. They're right next door. Texas and, and Georgia. <laughs> That's how exactly. But... Where, where do you sit? Now give your view and then I'll come back with mine. So my thing is, like, it's just, I understand it from the business side. I do. But my my MLS 1.0 heart is, is breaking for these fans because if it happens there, it can happen anywhere. Yes. And it, it really exposes the importance of support your local team more than anything else. And I'm not saying Columbus didn't do that, but it's just a nice reminder. Like, I, I would say... I would say that I would caution against just just that because it can happen to any team. It could happen to the LA Galaxy. I mean, right. if you think it can't, here's here's let's talk about let's compare this to LA Galaxy wise. The next move for the LA Galaxy, they're in a. We were talking about the like we have the different sections of Major League Soccer: 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, right? Right. So Seattle, Portland, or 2.0. You know, you have Atlanta now, and LAFC are going to be 3.0. 
Okay? Right. So that's and those sort of things, and you can see it. The LA Galaxy built their stadium during MLS 1.0. It was the second soccer-specific stadium right. after Columbus. And that came in at sort of MLS 1.5. It was different than 1.0 and what Columbus did, but it sort of set the new standard for the soccer-specific stadiums right. that ushered in, like Colorado got one and Dallas got one afterwards. Chicago got one. Yeah, so you see, but these are all stadiums that aren't necessarily located in prime real estate spots, and right. they're ones that are more cookie-cutter than they are, like, you know, have a lot of charm. I mean, I like StubHub Center. I think it's great, but you're, you're lying if you say that, you know, Portland doesn't have more charm than you know, the LA Galaxy or, or even uh, Sporting Kansas City in terms of the charm and how that was. It right. just it, They were built differently at different times. What's the next step for the LA Galaxy then? They're an MLS 1.0, 1.5 team. What's next for Colorado? What's next for F FC Dallas? Ultimately, what should happen is that like teams like FC Dallas should try to go find a spot in downtown Dallas and move to that, right? Right, exactly. They're building the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame in Dallas. They're not going anywhere. Right. Colorado doesn't draw well enough to be able to move to downtown in a you know more burgeoning real estate market, so that's not happening. So what's going to happen with those teams? The LA Galaxy are in a similar situation. Are the LA Galaxy going to, under AEG's you know leadership and, and ownership, are they going to attempt to go get a downtown stadium? When one's when it took so long for LAFC Stadium to be built, it, LAFC came in. Let's say they came in at the right time. I mean, they couldn't... If the LA Galaxy came in right now, they would build a stadium downtown. No, they've been trying for, what, five or six years, and they finally got approved? Or probably longer. They've, they've been trying to get that stadium for so long, and I can't imagine trying to get a second one. I think I think you could. I think that the climate now is that you could do it. I'm not saying that you can't... You have to start on it now, and it happens down the road. But if you're, if you're the LA Galaxy, are you going to build another downtown? Are there going to be two downtown soccer stadiums? We see it in cities all across the world. Right. Does that happen in Los Angeles for Major League Soccer? <laughs> they can go back to the days of sharing a stadium? How could ridiculous. they? Would they go share it with LAFC? I mean, a 22,000-seat soccer stadium, by the way, which is way smaller than what the LA Galaxy have now. So, yeah. I mean, but that's that's the next... So, is that what you see the next move? And the answer is probably no. You don't see that move coming. And I've always said it's at least not 10 or 15 years down the road. Maybe right. 15. Maybe that makes some more sense when it's a bigger stadium. When you can do more things with it. You know, do they go down to uh, the new new NFL stadium that they're building? And are they going to play down there? Yeah, I, I don't you, know. You know it's, it's, so that's, There's so many... There's possibilities. And I think that's something that we're fortunate with in LA market that has so many of those opportunities... But all of those opportunities, I think, are well-supported as well. I think that all of the L.A. sports teams, just by having that L.A. name, are... Are better supported than most. Yes. I, I will give you that. I think there's still some some question. If they're bad, there are teams that don't get supported. Uh, the right. Clippers won't get supported if they're bad. No. Um, but when they were when they were better, they, they were, did get... They got better. They got more support. Still wasn't the draw the Lakers were. They're, the Lakers they're not are going good. to. Exactly. But, but, that, but here's the flip-flop that sort of happened. So, and we're trying to relate this all back to Columbus and how that works is that the LA Galaxy's asset is still appreciating. What happens when LAFC comes in? Is LA's asset going to appreciate as much? Or is it gonna or is it gonna stall? And if it stalls, then the operational losses that they're taking start to affect things because right. it's the overall value of the franchise. If you're an MLS owner, you wanna make money. Every single MLS owner does, that's how it works. And the way they make money is that asset appreciates faster than their operational losses. So hey, I lost nine million dollars this year because of what it was, you know, I had to pay Robbie Keane six million dollars and Steven Gerrard, you know, three million dollars, whatever it ends up being, you know, all these things. So I lost nine million dollars this year. But the asset made over twenty million dollars. So technically I had a net gain of eleven. So can we just talk about how terrible of a time frame it is? for the galaxy to go cheap yes 
Yeah. So, please do, because it absolutely is, is Yeah, horrible. like, spend money this year while LAFC is doing a knockout job of advertising and handing out free hats to people to hand to their friends to expand it. And and all these things are great marketing, great location. You can take this, the metro to get there. I'm... I went to a bar on Tuesday night. Uh, everybody was watching the LA Dodger game. They just made the World Series, by the way. Woo, Woo yay! Yeah, go Dodgers! Go! I'm I'm a fan of all baseball. So, I'm yeah. I'm a fan of the Dodgers. Okay, so, so that's good. Yay, um, me. So you know, I go in. They were watching the Dodger game. Um, I saw no less than two LAFC hats. Yeah. I didn't see any Galaxy hats. And again, this this year, and I, and I've said it. I think even with you on here, the LA Galaxy with the disastrous performance they made gave a team that doesn't exist the number one billing in major league soccer yeah, absolutely. next year i mean why would you want to come to the la galaxy when you could go to the lafc next year if you're a casual fan which i've always said the argument here is always for casual fans the diehard fans will stay with the la galaxy diehard fans will stay with lafc we'll call them diehards whatever however they want to be but they they know that that's going to be their team they're the diehards right. they're going to go to every game that's great Los Angeles isn't about diehard fans. Los Angeles is about casual fans because there's way more of those than there ever is diehards. So with the casual fan, where's the casual fan going to go? You're going to want to go to a brand new $300 million stadium that's in downtown Los Angeles? You want to head out to to uh, Carson and StubHub Center where the Chargers play sometimes? Yeah, it's, it's, it's about convenience. It's about entertainment. And accessibility, I think, is huge, you know? And I will say this. I think that there, I think people overstate the accessibility of LAFC just like they overstate the inaccessibility of Carson and stuff like that. There are a lot of people who it's way easier to drive to Carson than it will be to drive to downtown, but there's also a lot of people who it's going to be way easier to drive to downtown or take Metro or do whatever you're going to do into downtown to go to an LAFC game. And the bottom line is that it works for both. So I think there's enough to support both of those. I think that public transportation to LAFC is going to be a game changer. I think that LAFC having a stadium that holds 22,000 people will benefit them greatly than if they built a stadium with 27,000 or 30,000 people in it. That's fair. It's a different point than what I was making, but that's fair. <laughs> well, I mean, but but you're going to judge it. This is how you're going to judge the success of that, right? Is because you're going to see LAFC stadium and it's going to be full. Right. And it's going to be full every single game. And then you're going to see the LA Galaxy and they're going to be have, you know, 25,000 people in there, but it's not going to be full because it's never full. Right. All right. So that's the difference. If the LA Galaxy wanted to look more successful than, than, and, and to prove it, they would shrink the size of the stadium down to about 22,000 fans. It's like Portland has, I think, 17 or 18. You know, it's, there's, there's, I don't think perceived value is the same as, as like actual tangible value in this, though. The perceived value is that you're going to look at the atmosphere at LAFC, which is a soccer-specific stadium that was designed differently. It's going to be full, right? And it's going to be a different atmosphere than what you're going to be able to get at StubHub Center whenever that's not completely sold out. I've seen StubHub Center, and you have too. Right. It's completely sold out, and it's amazing. Right. Right? You've seen it for MLS Cups and all those things. It's loud. It's electric. It's People are involved in the game. It's amazing. Right. How often does that happen? I mean, it depends because, I mean, ACB brings it, so there's that. And then the cross-stadium chant is, is lovely. Right, with LA Riot So there's squad, that. Yeah. And so I think that, like, I, th I think it's there. I think that... But it sounds different. It's it's if It would be different if you put it in a 22,000-seat stadium and every seat was sold out. It's a different feeling than if you go to a 27,000 and there's only 25,000. There's more people, but it's, it's going to be different. I guess. I and that's how people judge success. Every single time. Because the Galaxy can have 22,000 people at a game, and people are like, nobody's there. 
right? And then you go and look, you're going to see LAFC is going to have 22,000 people at a game. If we'll look at the place that's sold out. Oh, hey, LA Galaxy, how come you can't sell out a stadium? It's already coming. That that argument's coming. Just wait for it. But I think that's, I don't know. I think this is a tangent that's not as... I'm just, I think that a lot of people view it on the success of one on the field, two, what it looks like in the stands, um, and what it sounds and feels like for these. And I think the LAFC has an advantage in every single one of those, and one of the advantages they gained, and what how they're going to show that success is by showing that 22,000-seat stadium. That's it has really awesome. Now, maybe someday they'll expand, which I certainly think is in their plans already. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, if you're building an MLS stadium right now, you don't build a 27,000 st- stadium at, st- at, you know, at StubHub Center. If you build it at StubHub Center, you build a 22 or 23,000 right. st- and you call it a day. And it's packed. And there's right. people there all the time. So anyway, that, but that, just to get back to it and look at that, I mean, you know, the LA Galaxy are not that far away from a situation, or at least not in my mind, of being something that what Columbus is right now. And that's this, I think that's a scary part, but that's right. also a realistic part of every professional sport in the United States. Right. And it's even happened in places in Europe as well where the teams have moved. Um, granted, they get a bunch of crap for it. Um, right. So so there's places, but it's it's a part of the overall landscape. And I think it's ridiculous that, the you know, we talked about it, that they're not allowing the Columbus uh, season ticket holders to cancel their season tickets. Oh, yeah. Um, even though they're going to be playing, the argument is that we're playing here in 2018. So, you know, blah, 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 blah. it's like, yeah, but you just told everybody that you don't want to be here anymore. And if you don't want to be here anymore, why am I supporting you? Right, exactly. So I, I certainly understand that and, and everything. So it's a, it's a raw deal for Columbus fans. And that's the worst part about it is that there are Columbus fans who have been Columbus fans since 1996. Right. And they're not going to have a team anymore if Anthony Precourt has his way. And if he didn't want to be in Columbus, maybe he should sell the team to somebody who wants to try to get a downtown stadium in Columbus. Right. But it's also, it's not really his asset. See, this is the other part of this because it's technically Major League Soccer's asset, right? But he gets to manage it and they are part of the board of directors. It gets fuzzy, but at the same time, there's a difference than just somebody who owns the franchise outright. It's like, I'm moving it. I'm taking it wherever I want to go. St. Louis, right. St. Louis Rams coming to Los Angeles. It's my asset. I'm moving it. I don't care what happens. So there's all these things. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the MLS 1.0 teams. The FC Dallas right. is the Colorados, the new England revolution, the new England That's revolution, another... right? Exactly. That's another one that needs this downtown stadium. If now, if they get a downtown stadium, all of a sudden they're MLS 3.0. I think they're the only one, Someone on Twitter said that the New England Revolution is the only one that hasn't gone through some sort of rebranding. They still have uh, New England or uh, RevolutionSoccer.net, I believe, is nice. their is their website. Crayola re- logo is yeah, still there. Every time I type it in, I'm always like .net. Okay, that makes no sense. Uh, you know what are we? Um, so anyway, yeah. So anyway. that's that's how it goes. But so that's interesting. I think it's interesting to follow. We'll we'll follow it as much as I can. I know there's lots of people who think that you know I should come out and write a story in support of the Columbus Crew, and um, I think that if I do anything like that, it's not going to be in support of the crew, but it's certainly going to try to explain the situation the best that I know it and understand that you know it can happen to any team. But again, any team could people say who would it not happen to? Would it happen to Seattle? Probably not Seattle. Probably right not now. Seattle. Right now, what's going to happen in ten years? What if everybody has soccer-specific stadiums and Seattle doesn't have one and they're trying to get one in downtown and they can't get one? Would they ever move? You don't know. I think they're um, – because the Seattle sports teams work so well together and I think that's so that benefits them so much. Like their baseball team 
they schedule their games around each other. It's like you can go here in the morning in the for the for a one o'clock baseball game and then go to the soccer game in the afternoon. And I think that's brilliant. And I don't understand why other markets don't other do more of that. It's, it's coordination and, and who has the overall. Who's gonna who's the big dog and then who's everybody else who's gonna schedule around? It's probably the NFL and Seattle and then everybody else sort of schedules around and so it works well that way. I I just my my only point in bringing up Seattle is that nothing is permanent. All right, so don't think that this is. I mean, LAFC has all this momentum. If they go out and lay an egg, um, you know that momentum goes away. They certainly had more momentum than Chivas USA did, though. They did, and they still do, and that's good. And that's they have all the buzz. Everything's going right for them right now. Right. But it doesn't mean that you know in two years we're not sitting there and going, "Oh wow, LAFC, they're horrible. Look at that management; it's horrible." I mean, all that stuff can happen. And the right. same, same with the LA Galaxy. There's no saying the Galaxy are better next year. Right. There's a possibility of it, but seeing what's happening and saying that this could never happen to the LA Galaxy in terms of relocation is ridiculous. All right. AEG could move it anywhere in the country. I mean, they could. And there's already a team in LA. So it's not like the league would be like, oh, but we need a team in Los Angeles. It could happen to the LA Galaxy. It could happen to LAFC in 10 or 15 years. So that's what I'm saying. That's the big takeaway, I think, from this more than anything else is that if it can happen in Columbus and certainly a smaller market and one where you could understand maybe why there would be some hesitancy to plant permanent roots in Columbus, uh, because it seems like we're like the league is more centered on the bigger population centers now. Um, and how they're doing things. But again, Austin isn't exactly like a giant population center either whenever you look at it. Granted, Houston, you know, one of the largest cities in the in the country, and you got Dallas that's that's near, and Austin is a great, you know, sort of hipsterish young vibe. It's a very much an MLS market when you look at it, but it doesn't gar- it's not guaranteeing anything by moving to Austin. It's, right. it's almost like this is the out in my clause, so it's the only where place I can go, so that's where I'm going type of thing. So... Very, very interesting. Very, I, I think, a little bit uh, shady. So we'll we'll continue to watch it on the show. All right. Anything else you got? Nope. That's all I got. Go all Dodgers. Right. All right. Go. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you. At, uh, on Twitter at underscore Brit Joe, B-R-I-T-T-J-O. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com as well. Again, I love seeing everybody in their shirts. So thank you for that. Uh, it was great seeing everybody at the game, and uh, I really had a great time meeting with everybody. We're going to have some off-season events, I promise you, some off-season events coming up that uh, we can all get involved in, and I can meet some more of you at some other places, so we'll let you know what those are. All right, LA Galaxy against FC Dallas on Sunday, 1 p.m., Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes, last game of the 2017 season, Galaxy Wooden Spoon? I guess we'll find out. For Miss Britt Pergel, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.